The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon joining you. We're so happy this week. What a big week it has been. Um, for the site, as we are now fully minted members of SB Nation, we flipped the switch uh, on uh, Tuesday, or excuse me, on Monday, Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, we flipped the switch from our old WordPress site over to the brand new and sleek platform on SB Nation known as Chorus. Um, And uh, as with everything, a few bugs that first day, but we worked them out. And uh, and we were ready for the second half, certainly. And now we are fully up and running on SB Nation um, at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Um, you know, new, I guess, uniforms? <laughs> new look, same great coverage here uh, of your UCF Knights. Uh, we are SB Nation's team site for your UCF Knights. Joining me on this episode, once again, Eric Lopez. What's up, Elo? going on you know it's funny you mentioned the side kind of hiccups there but uh, getting going to second it's kind of like the football team so, you know not oh, the hiccups in the yeah. first half and show up in the oh, second half. we'll get to that <laughs> yeah uh you, you you hit the right segue uh and brian murphy is joining us what's up brian hi jeff <laughs> that's all i got nothing <laughs> well well your segue you're right there you're bro. still <laughs> You're still on a high from your Dodgers winning earlier today. Um, no, 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 Dodgers, no. I hate the Dodgers. I hate the Dodgers. Wait a minute. Don't, I, I, get, were, yeah, I know you're a Yankee fan. I thought you no. were a Dodger fan, too, from when you lived no. in LA. You hate the Dodgers. I hate the Dodgers. hate the Dodgers. Jeffrey, we're on the precipice of having what I would seem, what I would term to be the apocalyptic <laughs> World Series. Oh, a catastrophic World Series. Indeed, the Dodgers, Dodgers and Red Sox. Oh, Red no. Sox World Series. And I can't pick. So if anybody who does believe in the end of days – uh, now would be a good time for that to start rolling because I don't want this. No, no, no. Or you no, can no, play, no. If, that, if that happens, you can blame the Astros fans. How about we can baseball fans, Murphs? Can they? When are they going to figure out that don't reach out your hands on a home run or foul well, ball? I mean, my thing is like you look at that book. Okay, we're we're getting way too far in the weeds. But yeah, we I are. Say, we have, I think this is the definition of a field. <laughs> so I will say. The, the con- there's a controversy happening in the first inning of tonight's Astros Red Sox game. I thought that that ball was over the wall once Mookie Betts reached his hand up, in which case it's free game. Uh, but anyway, they said no, and they they ruled it a fan interference, and it led to a it led to an out okay. to the Astros. What a shocker! The Red Sox get the benefit <laughs> of a call. Yeah, for, for more, for think? more on this, make sure you visit spnation.com <laughs> and their MLB page. Um, <laughs> So we are at blackandgoldbanneret.com, uh, your, home, your home for UCF uh, news and analysis on SB Nation. Um, you can listen to this podcast. Uh, if, you, if you don't already subscribe to our podcast, first of all, what the hell's the matter with you? What's taking you so long? And second of all, you can do so by subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret, and especially on Twitter, UCF underscore banneret. We are individually at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at 
Eric Lopez Elo, and Brian is at Spokes underscore Murphy. All right, let's dive right in. Uh, speaking of the end of days, Murph, um, yes. we, thought that, again. we thought that that was happening uh, to UCF football uh, up in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis on Saturday. That's what we're leading with is UCF coming off of a dramatic, dramatic 31-30 victory over Memphis in a game that I – okay, <clears throat> excuse me for one second. Here we go. He's, bra- he's about to brag, Murph. I, hey, I, we, deserve, we deserve this. We really deserve this. I – Told you so. I told you both. Find you that last you week, folks, ladies and gentlemen, for all you new listeners, Jeff like has concerns about almost like ninety percent okay. of every UCF but game. So finally, was, hit one right. I yeah, blind squirrel finds the nut eventually. No, I really did have a bad feeling about this, and that the way that first half went, I was like, this is this is exactly what I thought would happen. UCF fell down thirty to 14 in the first half of that game. Daryl Henderson looked like he was going to rush for 1,000 yards in the game. He was all over the place. He was almost 200 yards in the first half. Memphis scored on all six of their first half possessions. Uh, and uh, and it looked like there was just... It, on, all, on defense for UCF, it looked like Memphis had 14 guys on the field because they were just getting... They were just, their offensive line was just eating UCF up um, and Henderson had all kinds of holes to run through. But on offense, UCF just couldn't get anything going, aside from a 75-yard touchdown pass um, yeah, and, and another drive for UCF as well. Gabe Davis had one big play. It, it just looked like they their secondary, I thought, was playing great in that first half because Mackenzie Milton could not hit anything in rhythm. Um, and I'm thinking, so you're down 30-14, to 14, UCF got a field goal right before halftime to make it 30-17. They go into the locker room down two touchdowns. And I'm like, and I think the one tweet that I had was, this is how it all ends. And I think that a lot of people were thinking, you were there, Murph, too. And we'll, and, and, but, and then yeah. the and then the rains came. Yeah. And then at halftime, you're like, oh, God. Even if UCF makes all the adjustments that they need to, they're going to lose this game because of the weather. You know, they're not going to be able to throw the ball. It's going to be a slippery football and be sliding all over, sliding all over the place, drop passes, fumbles, you name it. The weather is going to take over, and it was bad. It was bad in Memphis. Um, yep. And then, late in the third quarter, facing a fourth and two on their own twenty-nine, Brian Murphy, what happened? Uh, they. Grew a, a, a big pair of baseballs, <laughs> and Josh Heibel says we're going to go for it. And uh, Mackenzie Milton uh, wasn't so sure about that until his coach gave him faith and said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna go for it here on our own twenty nine yard line, fourth and two. They line up Taj McGowan, and they line up uh, in the backfield. They line up what they call the bone formation. This is what the, the Scott Frost would call the tank formation last year. Yeah. Two fullbacks." The, yes, you have two fullbacks, and one of them is a defensive lineman. In this case, it's Tristan Hill. This is, uh, they, this is, I think, the third time they've done this formation this year. And on the play, which is a little, uh, a little, uh, you know, run to the right off a right guard, uh, Tristan Hill creates an alley, as Merrill Hodge would say, uh, about I don't know six feet wide. Thanks to him, completely pulverizing anything in sight. 
including one poor Memphis linebacker who got knocked back about five yards. And completely flattened, yes. And Taj McGowan, who is not known for his deep speed, because everyone else on Memphis is so crowding the line, he goes 71 yards, and uh, UCF goes right back in the game. So here's what I thought was amazing about that play. Two things. Number one, if I'm not correct me if I'm wrong on this, Murph. Initially, Josh Heupel sent the punt team out, and then and then he called timeout. If I'm not mistaken, is that right? I think so. Okay, check that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. So so they call timeout. Then he comes out in bone. Okay, in the bone formation, and Memphis burns a timeout. Yeah. And when Memphis burned the timeout, I'm thinking. They were going to try and draw him off. Mike Norvell called him on it. Um, you know, you're down 13. Why take this risk in your own end? Um, he's going to send the punt team back out. He doesn't. He sends the offense back out. And that was, again, when I thought, ain't no way they're going to snap this. They're going to take a delay. And they're going to try and draw him and then take the delay. And then... And then they snapped the football, and I'm like, "Holy crap! They're really going to do this?" And mm-hmm. uh, and and I think Dave Lamont, who is the play-by-play guy um, for uh, for ABC or ESPN on ABC, doing it. The game is televised on ABC in the Southeast, ESPN two elsewhere. Um, he sounded like I was I was listening to the call. Dave Lamont sounded completely. Stunt. Here's here. In fact, I'll, here I'll, I'll put it up here. Here's the, here's the actual call from Dave Lamont. Yeah, let's see. Everybody bunched up, going for it in their own end zone territory, McGowan. and they're going to get six if McGowan doesn't get caught from behind. He won't touchdown UCF on fourth and two from their own territory. So yeah, Taj McGowan gets you know 71 yards, uh, and and something flips in the game, and UCF is back in it, down one score. But here's the problem: they're still down one score on the road, in the rain, and the offense has been, let's say, less than impressive, okay? Um, and the defense, you know, let's give them some credit here. You know, but they're still trying to, they're still trying to stop Memphis, who had scored on all six possessions in the first half. Um, so UCF gets the ball back, and the, the weather kind of took over a little bit because... A little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Because... Uh, then later on uh, in the third, you see, uh, again, Memphis fumbles the ball. The defense finally got – they've done a good job of stopping Memphis in the second half to that point. Then they get the fumble. As the team's traded fumbles, um, three straight, three consecutive fumbles, um, and UCF got the ball finally in the fourth quarter, first play of the fourth quarter on a fumble, um, and, uh, and marched eight, uh, 74 yards on eight plays in 241. And Mackenzie Milton, I mean, the first thing I thought of was this is his John Elway moment. Uh, as he uh, tumbled airborne, reached the ball over the plane, uh, and scored what would be the go-ahead touchdown to go up 31-30. to 30. Could that have been, Brian Murphy, the Heisman moment? Uh, it will definitely be on his reel if he, if he makes it to New York. I think that play... Because of who, of who, you know, who accounted for it, uh, the situation in the game, the fact that that was the game-winning touchdown, and just the sort of uh, that sort of like um, 
you know, prototypical or like your your standard definition of like football toughness is a, a kid who's undersized, but he needs to go and get and get this touchdown and he risks life and limb to do so. I would not say it's it's John Elway. People have done this throughout the week and I just want to be sort of a, a, a Debbie Downer here. You know, it, it wasn't a graceful leap. It wasn't also like he helicoptered in like Elway did. He certainly did not flip. By the way, Elway didn't he, score either. <laughs> right. This is correct. But what McKenzie kind of did do is go up and then come over straight down. Um, so good thing he had the wherewithal to extend his hand out and put the ball over the plane. Because if he doesn't do that, he doesn't score either. Because he didn't really go anywhere once he was up in the air. He kind of just went up and then went came crashing down. Yeah. Uh, but he scores the winning touchdown in a game in which it looked like this whole streak was over. Uh, you know, now UCF was going to have to concentrate on not only, you know, getting to the group of five auto bid, but even winning its own division. Uh, and, and it's, and he saves it and he absolutely saves it with this sort of like, I don't care about my own well being, no regard for his own life, uh, sort of paraphrasing Kevin Harlan. <laughs> and, and, um, it's a tremendous moment. The moment that it's a, trem- it's a tremendous moment that people, or at least UCF fans, uh, we'll remember for a long time, and there probably needs to be a nickname attached to that play. Yeah. Well, here's – so credit – obviously, the, the the play calling from Josh Heupel, the execution on the 71-yard touchdown, the drive, Mackenzie Milton's effort on that play. But I think here's the part that uh, is – gets has gotten underrated about this game is the job that Randy Shannon did in the second half. Yeah. The, t- the adjustments that they made. I mentioned that Memphis was basically 6-for-6 six six on their possessions in the first half. In the second half, they were 0-for-8 and fumbled away, fumbled the ball away twice. Um, Memphis never got more... The, the most yards that they actually got on any drive in the second half was on the final drive itself, 54 yards, where they got down to the UCF 31. And we'll talk about the last play in a second. But um, but they, they put the clamps on... Um, on Daryl Henderson, and it was it was really an amazing performance. I'm going to pull up the um, pull up the numbers here in just a second. Well, well, you're leaving out you're leaving out a few details here. You're leaving out oh, a few okay. details. All right, <laughs> all right. Let, let's, you know, and all this here comes the rain stuff. on the parade. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was rain. Yeah, you forgot to mention that the team missed 14 tackles unofficially in the first half. That was part of the reason why they couldn't stop Daryl Henderson. They actually tackled him in the second half. It's a heck of a concept. I know it's very, you know, it's kind of how it worked in tackle football. That's number one. Number two, I thought actually a play you have not brought up was right before the half when UCF was down 30 to 14, had a third and long deep in their own territory. You're thinking, Boy, this, this half can't get in fast enough. They get a completion. They drive. They set up a field goal by Matt Wright. Matt Wright doinks the kick off the post, except it didn't count because the genius that is Mike Norville, who for the second year in a row you could argue has cost his team a game against UCF, called timeout. As a result, the kick didn't count. Matt Wright gets a do-over, and he nails the field goal. And I thought that was huge from a momentum standpoint. Because UCF, I think at that point felt, hey, with everything is gone as bad as it's gone, to only be down 13, that's nothing going into the locker room. 
And I don't know, a genius on Twitter may have mentioned the fact that Memphis is not a very good second half team. Who was that? It's uh, <laughs> something with Elo on it. Here he is, right said that on Memphis, the parade. Boy, not a very I mean, good second half team. And I also said the game was over when UCF scored on that fourth down call, which I think is one of the most uh, memorable calls in the history of UCF football. That fourth hold down. On, hold on a second. second. Hold on a second. Game the game was game not was over. over. You're still. You still need to score again. I, How yeah, is the I, game over at that I, point? Because they were going to score. See, that's the difference. I was the You can't say that. Guy. You didn't. No, no, no. Sure you can't say it. I, I said it online. I, I called it. I predicted it. And it happened. I said this team is going to be – You guys, it's amazing, Jeff. You and other. it's not just you. I mean, the social media of some of the fans at halftime was hilarious on the just the criticism of the coaching staff and the players. I'm like, these guys have won 18 in a row. You think you get a benefit of the doubt, you know, because you just had one bad half. You're not going to blow everybody out 50 to 10. I have confidence in these guys, and you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I thought that play in fourth down would turn the game around, which it did. And I think UCF won it. And look, they got some help in that game. I thought Mike Norville was played not to lose in the second half. I don't That's think – Right. And I think part of that is because he doesn't trust his quarterback. I don't think White's very good. And I think UCF figured yeah. out, well, let's just put Henderson and, you know, put eight and stop Henderson and make him throw. And well, that's what happened. Well, here's here's the other thing. This is where this is where the actual um, the, the rain actually did help UCF. Yeah. I think I think you're yeah. right in this point because UCF knew that there's in good weather, Memphis could have gone play action on him. And really made their diff- and really made their job difficult. Sure, right. But when the rain came, okay, the they they knew that there was no way Brady White could 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 make Heidner hair of that game. So they knew Henderson. They knew they were just going to hand the ball off to Henderson, and all you got to do at that point is just stack the box. Here's here's the numbers: first half, to second half. In the first half, Memphis had 222 rushing yards. The second half, they had 59. They had 18 first downs in the first half. They had nine in the second. Third down conversions. Memphis was six of ten in the first half, one of six in the second. They were turnover free in the first half. In the second half, they fumbled the ball away twice. And obviously, in the points category, they scored all 30 of their points in the first half. They got shut out. Randy Shannon's defense pitched a shutout in the second half. Now, there are some questions about whether UCF's offense could actually function in the ring. But they, but they, they scored enough points that they needed to. And Henderson, 172 yards, 8.2 per carry in the first half. In the second, and that was on 21 carries. In the second half, 10 carries, 27 yards, 2.7 a carry. Well, the monsoon helped that. The defense helped that. And I think this: Josh Heupel coached to win that game. Mike Norvell coached that game not to lose that game. And I think the example of that. While we talked about what Josh Heupel did on his call from the fourth down in his own territory, Mike Norville in that first possession in that second half, or I think it was the first possession, might have been the second actually. I might be wrong. It's the second possession when they drove deep into they drove into UCF territory, and they had a fourth down, and he chose to punt instead of going for it. They had a chance to go up three, uh, you know, another score in UCF a couple times and chose not to be aggressive and go for it on fourth down. They had a chance to knock them out, and they chose not to. They tried to play it safe, and I, you can't do that because you're not, you're not – to give you McKenzie Milton that offense too many at-bats was going to be a mistake. Well, and I think uh, it was, I, it was their that, second possession of the third quarter. It was. They got, they got to was. the UCF 45, 
and they and they elected to punt and they had run three minutes off the clock at that point um and when they punted the ball back that was that when UCF got the ball at their own 20 that was the drive that resulted in the Taj McGowan touchdown yep agreed and not only not not only that but on the first drive of that half they had fourth and three at their own 48 basically the same situation yeah and they also punted that as well yeah yeah so but um yeah I mean wow what is you know, here's the thing. When you have a 19-game winning streak, as UCF has right now, there are going to be those games where everything goes wrong. This was one of those games. I thought the first, you know, the Auburn game was one of those games in the first half. Everything went wrong, and yet you catch a few breaks, right? Somebody makes a decision and you capitalize. Um, you know, I mean, it, 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 Taj, or Taj McGowan's touchdown – he could have gotten tripped up and fallen forward and gotten the first down, but no, he went 71 yards for a touchdown. Um, there are those times when you just catch those breaks, and UCF certainly did in that game. So um, I guess we'll go back to you, Brian. What do you make of where this team stands now? They're playing East Carolina this week uh, at at Greenville. East Carolina, not off to a very good start. I mean, they I mean, the, the rumors are they might be uh, getting ready to fire the coach. But, um, you know, I mean, where do you go from here if you're UCF? It, it, let, let me ask it this way. <laughs> Was this the game that where the players and the coaches, they all look at each other and like, okay, we thought we could win every game, but now we know there's no game we cannot win. Yeah, I think part of that's true. You know, Josh Heupel said Monday that, you know, he doesn't think the team needs a game like that to prove they can win close games. You can disagree or agree with that. I think, you know, I, I kind of disagree. Well, I think maybe some players do. I mean, you, you introduce yeah. that. I mean, that has to, that has to give you some confidence winning a game like that. No. Well, I'd say I'm saying, what I think he's saying is you don't have to be in those kind of, you like, you don't, you don't need to be in a close game to be, to, 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 to know that you can win a close game. Um, that's what he said. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think this team now has, I think, greater confidence, which is kind of kind of nuts a little bit uh, <laughs> because it, it was already riding with so much confidence, uh, you know, that they can win in any situation. I would kind of also say maybe this is contradictory. Jordan Johnson said on Tuesday this week that the team the team was sort of humbled a little bit. Uh, because, you know, they, they can't always just take these games for granted and not that they, not, not that they did, but you know, they need to know that kind of like what coaches say about playing 60 minutes, zero, zero game. Uh, you got, you know, play, play every play as if it's, you know, the most important play. I think that that sort of thing, which they've heard it all throughout the spring and the fall, they got to see that they got to see that on the field at Memphis yeah. about how important every play is. And I think Jordan uh, talked about how uh, that sort of opened some players' eyes and about how, you know, this, you know, we got to come out here and, and give it our best because we know uh, we're going to get everybody else's best as well. And they're going to get, they're going to get ECU's best, even though it's probably with a backup, well, not a backup, but a new starting quarterback. Well, ECU's best is nowhere close to Memphis's best, at least yeah. at this point. No. Um, but I, 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 I'm encouraged as a fan watching this, you know, in the midst of this win streak, you know, I'm encouraged by the fact that they got punched in the mouth on the road and had the DAC stacked against them with the rain and everything, and they found a way. 
They yeah. found a way to win, and when you and that's what great teams do. They you know they they know how to win. I know it's a cliche and everything, but it, and I get it, and I and I hate cliches along with the next side, but but you just know when you see when you see when you get tested like they were in that game, and you can say what you want, Elo, about how good Memphis is or not good Memphis is, yeah, but. Everything was going their way, and UCF found a way to win. And I think that that's that's the part that I think is the most encouraging thing to see from this team. They're, and and you said it right; they're going to get another uh, uh, shot against ECU. Um, you know, again in conference on the road, ECU's two and four, zero oh and three in the in the league. Scotty Montgomery right now is coaching for his job. Can we can we applaud? Like I always want to applaud Scotty Montgomery because. Didn't we say after like week one that like we don't know if he's gonna make it, and he's still there. He's, yeah, still, he's still around. Well, he, yeah, well they, they had that. Uh, In their defense, they played hard for him. Uh, they played South Florida very hard. Uh, they beat North Carolina. I mean, they haven't quit. Yeah. They're just not good enough. They, they, they're, they're not talented. Hard. They beat no, they beat not. Old Dominion, who beat Virginia Tech. Yes, but the last two games, though, I mean, they, at Temple they got blasted at yeah. Temple, forty nine to six. And then at home against uh, Houston, well, I mean, Houston is Houston right now, but it, but forty two twenty at home. Um, I, I mean, geez, they had Houston, UCF back to back at home. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 the league. The la- well, yeah, the, here, the here. last three games, yeah. the last three games, yeah. they get up thirty seven, forty nine, forty two points. Like whatever they're doing, it's not working. Well, yeah, they're not talented. Let me just go with this cliche of a famous <laughs> advocate that Murphy will like very much, okay, describing yep. the rest of UCF season and what this means. This is not a prediction. It's a spoiler. A spoiler for the rest of the UCF season. They will crush East Carolina this Saturday by at least three touchdowns or more. They will crush Temple when they get back at home, and they will crush Navy at home. And they're going to be undefeated going into Tampa. The, the, this was the tricky game. Everybody said Cincinnati. Tricky... You, you forgot Cincinnati. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, uh, my, my prediction is if that help, if we're going to find out about Cincinnati starting this week because I want to see them play some actual competition, yeah. uh, see how good they are. But I will give you that. I haven't. That's why I didn't want to comment on the Cincinnati game just okay. yet because okay. I want to see more of them. And plus, I think uh, I kind of want them to do well because I think we got a shot to get college game day to come here. So. As long as our fans actually behave intelligently and not stupid. Um, so, I knew it was whatever. coming. I, here we are, 27 minutes in, and Elo has and Elo has, has hey, dropped the bomb on UCF fans. I just, again, I just love the fact that many fans who are the diehards have been yelling at all these experts that they should be in the playoff. The team had a bad first half, and they turned on them. Not all of them, but a good amount of it. You know who you are. You all and and one of them is on this is on this show right now that was oh it's the the end, the end is near it's over no this team is resilient they got a good team and I think they're going to crush East Carolina I think that game is that, that there should be no reason that game is even competitive I never um, said it was over <laughs> I said this, you were pretty bleak. I said I said this is how it ends yeah well that's a pretty bleak uh, prediction there I'm the uh, most optimistic well they were down thirty to fourteen in the first half. <laughs> They're going to be all right. The bigger issue is this. All right. And we'll just get into it now before we wrap up here. The polls. People are upset because they got jumped. 
my response to that, get used to it. Because yeah. they're going to get jumped now starting this from last week on. They're going to start getting jumped. And here's the problem. They could beat East Carolina 100 to nothing. It's not going to matter in yeah. the polls. Well, Certain teams are going to have a jump. They're capped. Now the, now the strength of schedule argument comes in. Because ECU, like we said, 2-4. and four. Um, It's a 21-point spread right now, according to Odd Shark. Um, over under 64 and a half. 62% of the public is going with the over. Um yeah, the spread. Well, here's what here's what I'm a little concerned about. Spread opened at 25 and has been bet down to 21. So, I don't know. I don't know what to think on that. But oh, you got, go ahead. Are you gonna, what are you going to do? Are you going to go second? Are you going to write a? Are, are you going to write a column right here? Now that we're on SB Nation, why uh, we should be scared of? No, 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 no. I'm not. No, I'm not no, doing that. No. I, I feel a lot better about this one than because remember the line last week was. What was the line five last week? It was five and a half. Five and and everyone was like, oh, UCF by 25. No, you know, no, you're right. that, no. that line is – and I'm like, are you people nuts? This is a road game, man. I mean, it's in conference against a team with a winning record. But A team that got blown out by Tulane. I mean, yeah, what were we well, it, it, well, even so, that was a road game for them. Yeah, and, and look what happened there. So, yeah, but this game, I, I just I, – I think that ECU is – as a team, they're on the ropes. I think, I think they're on the verge of quitting. And this could be the yeah. game where they, this feels like, you know, thinking back to the, the god-awful 2015 season for UCF, like this feels like the game where they could quit and, 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 and just fold up shop. If UCF jumps up again, as they had been accustomed to last week, notwithstanding, you know, 14-0, 21-3, like I could see ECU just fold up shop, even at home. And that and that could be that, you know. Maybe, but Maybe. but you can't. But you know, well, yeah, like you said, right? Like I don't know what what's the percentage possibility that that doesn't happen, Brian? Well, it's definitely real because I I, I don't like the whole like. Well, I knew it was going to be a close game because you know the spread was close. It's a conference game, like you know. Sometimes teams play up. Sometimes teams yeah. play down. Sometimes Army gives Oklahoma a run. Sometimes BYU beats Wisconsin. Doesn't mean those spreads were wrong. Just means that on that day, so-and-so team that was favored was not as good as they should have been, and the underdog was better. So, you know, I, I think, you know, we saw UCF play an awful first half, especially defensively uh, against Memphis. They corrected a bunch of things in the second half. I think you're going to see them come out this week. With Pat Jasinski, by the way, who missed almost the entire Memphis game with a, I believe, an ankle injury. Yeah, that was uh, be, that was an underrated portion of the game too in the first half. By the way, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, he missed. He missed basically ninety percent of that game. Uh, yeah. But I, I will say, true freshman Eric Gilliard uh, from Duval uh, played very well in his stead. Uh, but Jasinski will be back. I think that defense will play really well this weekend. I think you're going to see UCF kind of take some frustration out maybe a little bit on ECU, oh knowing that they didn't play their best uh, against Memphis. I would also say that Memphis uh, – or excuse me, ECU is, is installing a new quarterback. It's a true freshman, a kid who grew up in Greenville. His name is Holton Ehlers. Uh, he is replacing a quarterback named Reed Herring. So if you thought that that guy was the starting quarterback, no, it was just a Reed Herring. Oh my God! Oh, my you're welcome, there. Oh boy! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> All right. Following this podcast, we'll have an we'll have an airing of Clue. Um, <laughs> That's a great film. 
It's it, it's it's it is a cult classic. I will say that. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, kickoff for uh, UCF against ECU, seven p.m. Eastern in Greenville on ESPN two. Um, Beth Moens, Anthony Becht, Rocky Boyman are the crew for ESPN two. Uh, and yep, Murph will be there. So if you see him, make sure you say hi. Um, UCF is going for win number 20 in a row. I can't even, that, that, that to me is, to, even so is just unfat 20 wins in a row. There's something about that number that is just magical. I mean, the last time we saw UCF lose the game, lose a game was the Cure Bowl. Coincidentally, Jamie Say brought this up and uh, you echoed it on Twitter, Brian was um, the last time UCF was down two scores in a game yeah. was the Cure Bowl against Arkansas State, which coincidentally was their last loss. Well, guess what? They came back and won the game. So um, can UCF play from behind with the cards stacked against them? And but I don't but it, less in, really in, in, that? that it, yes, I don't yes. Think it's, no, yes, I questioned it. A lot of people you, questioned oh, it. You. I'm not alone, man. I'm not alone. Basically, ninety percent of the fan base was like, "We're getting blown out." Oh, have this team not watched this team play in the last two years? It's not like the things have gone. They, of course they have. But you're talking about it. But you're talking about a team that runs a spread offense, playing in the rain on the road. And they were trailing. They trailed Memphis. I mean, this team has come from behind before. Everybody, what what do people expect yes. to win fifty two to ten right. every week? Get out of here with that. Well, they um, have been to this point. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. I think this was huge for the players with this coaching staff because they've never yes. been to a close game with this coaching staff compared to last year when they, obviously they were with Coach Frost and they had some close games. This was the first test with the new staff and how with the and I think this will help the players buy in even more on what the coaches were doing, even though if you watch the telecast, there were some questions. The player, apparently there was reports that the players were questioning some of the play calling, but it's funny when you win, that kind of goes away. So uh, I think that was significant from that standpoint, but I, I didn't have concerns that this team could make up a 16 point deficit at Memphis of all places. I well, mean, get of out of course here. It was, of <laughs> course it was possible, Eric, but what I'm saying was at the time, it was not like I want to pull up one of those fan graphs. We're gonna figure this out here on this podcast right now. Oh, um, oh boy, more advanced yeah, stats right now. I'm gonna do it. Memphis, UCL. Win, pro- win probability added by McKenzie Milton. Yeah, by the way, right. when are people gonna like? Are people gonna turn on Coley Matrix? I mean, he's got his rank pretty low still. Like, when do we turn on? It's twelfth. Twelfth, isn't it? I mean, shouldn't we be higher? Yeah. No, um, the polls. See, hey, fan. by the way, we're less than two weeks away from the only poll that matters. That's true. Oh boy! Oh, can't wait for people to get flip out when we get ranked like two, three spots below what we're currently ranked. But okay, that's cr- that's. Correct. But then they're going to act shocked. We're going to act shocked like this is actually going to happen, even though this has happened like a million years uh, over and over again to a bunch of teams. But well, we're gonna act I like- mean, here's the yeah. Well, here's the thing. I you know, I, obviously it's okay. Um, Here we go. All right, ESPN's win probability graphs, which I just love. Um, care to care to know when uh, when Memphis's win possible win, win probability was at its peak? Go ahead, Brian. Probably probably when they were up by a lot of points. <laughs> when they called when they called the timeout prior to McGowan's touchdown, mm, Memphis really? had a ninety three point seven percent chance of winning that game. Ninety three point seven. 
Yeah. Interestingly enough, they had a 60% chance um, in the fourth quarter um, right before a holding penalty that, that uh, on a third and one, right, at the UCF yes. 43. That was in the fourth. Um, and then they also, uh, actually on the last play of the game, or just prior to the last play of the game, they uh, they had a 58.9% chance of winning the game. Um, right before Pollard, right, right before the right before the final play, which was uh, a Victorian work of art in its own way, but <laughs> um, nonetheless, hey, those are the breaks that you need to do to win 19 consecutive games and be six and zero and three and zero in conference. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes sometimes the the good teams get the breaks, yeah. and um, you see, have got more of them, especially in the second half. Yeah, um, and they made their own breaks from from the you know mm-hmm. the defensive adjustments from. You know, the effort from Mackenzie Milton, like you said, um, the play calling from Josh Heupel and the confidence in his offensive line um, and just the block of the year in for UCF, maybe the maybe the block of the century. Did you see that, by the way, uh, Sports Illustrated College Football actually picked up that tweet that I that I sent out with Taj McGowan's block? I did see that. We got a little bit of SI pub love out of from BGB. SI, man. Holy smokes. That's unbelievable, man. That is great. It's been a great week for, for the site. So <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So so let's um let's take a quick break. Uh when we return we'll talk about the uh we'll talk about volleyball getting hosed in the polls again. We'll talk about both soccers and we'll let you know the plan coming up for um this week. Uh here on Black and Gold. Banneret. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team at Orlando Homes Express proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a very proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 UCF football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam to sell your home, he will list it for just 4.8% commission. And if you're buying a home with him, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash we sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Orlando Homes Express today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! 
Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, Eric Lopez with you here. Um, and uh, we're going to dive over to the Olympic sports in a second, but just a reminder check out our brand new site, blackandgoldbanneret.com. Now that we're fully, um, I guess, knighted, you could say, as members of SB Nation, total redo of the site, um, and it looks really good. And uh, the content's a lot easier to get around to. So make sure you check that out uh, as soon as you can. As always, follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. Uh, and follow uh, us individually, Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, Spokes underscore Murphy. Also, facebook.com slash black and gold uh, banneret. All right. Let's dive into these Olympic sports, Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy, because we may very well have a situation where all four fall sports make the postseason. Um, and stuff is rolling right now. Let's start with the most recent stuff. And I want to start with men's soccer. Uh, UCF played on Tuesday, and they got a 5-1 to one victory uh, over Florida Gulf Coast. That wasn't the entire story, though. The big story was uh, Cal Jennings, who just continues a rampage. I wrote about it on the site. Um, and this was coming off of that uh, scoreless tie that they had with uh, with UConn. But um, they play Florida Gulf Coast in the midweek game, and Jennings scores another hat trick, uh, his third of the season. UCF is now 9-2-2. and It's a 5-1 win for UCF over FGCU. It's their last non-conference game prior to the end of the regular season. Um, but Jennings right now has 17 goals. He's second in the country in goals. UCF is fourth in the country as a team in goals. Um, the only guy he's behind is, of course, Andre Shinyashiki of uh, the University of Denver, who has 21. But Shinyashiki has as many hat tricks as Cal has. He does, Shinyashiki does have a four-goal game. But um, this guy's uh, on pace for uh, some pretty remarkable history right now. Um, went back in the archives, and I want to thank Kelly Cartner from uh, UCF Athletics because uh, at the drop of a hat, I was like, hey, Kelly, do you have this number? And lo and behold, she has it because she's awesome at what she does. Um he is uh, – so right now he's got uh, – Cal has 17 goals, like I mentioned. It's third best all-time at UCF already, okay? And that's with three full games to go. The all-time leader in goals single season, uh, Hecky Ritvenen, he played uh, in the late – mid to late 90s. He scored 24 goals in a season twice. In 1996 and 98. In the intervening year, 1997, he scored 23. Um, so those are the records that Cal Jennings is staring down right now. Um, also, Cal's 17 goals is already the all-time single-season individual record in American Athletic Conference history. So <clears throat> Cal's on a roll. UCF men's soccer's on a roll. They are uh, 19th in the country in the latest coaches poll. Um and, man, I, I, right, they might be the best. Strange as it might be to say, Eric, they might be the best team in the fall right now, at least the way they're performing. <laughs> wow. Um, they're playing out. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, hey, usually I'm the one that gets criticized. I'll let you have that one. Um, 
I'll say this, Cal Jennings, I'll, I'll say this, and I said this in a previous episode. I think Cal Jennings right now is the, has been the best UCF athlete on campus. Yeah. Uh, I will say that. I mean, this guy's headed for to being an All-American. And, you know, UCF's putting it in their position where they might be hosting the opening round of the NCAA tournament, maybe more, depending on how things go. Yeah. Uh, they obviously, I watched the match against UConn. That was a nationally televised match. It's draw, scoreless draw. It's not a, you know, it's yeah. a good result. Two top 25 teams. Right. Um, that, that was a bummer, and, though, because if they could have gotten one goal in that game, they probably yeah. would have jumped a little higher in the RPI. Because right now, UConn is 16th in the RPI, UCF's 23rd. You get you you hang an L on them, and the path, basically, it, 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 the only team that can beat you is yourself at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. But they got the result. You know, it's better than, you know, and they're playing True. at a very high level, and uh, he's just amazing to watch. It's been a tremendous performance, and uh, I just want to throw that out there. He's been at a high-level play since I interviewed him for our on our site. So <laughs> check that out on our new site there, yep. seven, uh, seven points with Cal Jennings. It's gotten good luck charm. You know, it's one of the nice things I can do on the new site. I can put this little related thing in the middle of the story, and I link to that site. Yeah, I link to that story right there. There you go. Isn't it wonderful? Oh. Man, it's, it is, it's great to be an SB Nation site. Um, so men's soccer, here's the schedule the rest of the way. Home for USF, uh, Saturday, October 20th at Memphis, Saturday, October 27th, home for Cincinnati Friday, November 2nd. Now USF, the USF match is going to be key because USF and UConn are actually, even with the draw that UCF had, had with UConn, USF and UConn are actually tied for first in the, uh, American Athletic Conference standings. They're both... 2 0 oh, and 2, and they do a point system. So those two teams have eight points each. UCF is tied for third with SMU at seven points. Both teams are 2 1 and 1. Now I mentioned that it's Memphis, who's 1 2 and 1, uh, Cincinnati, 1 and 3, but then USF. That USF game coming up this Saturday, they have to have that game. And that's at home. Um, I know it's on UCFnights.tv, but if there was ever a game that you were going to go to as a UCF fan for men's soccer this year, that one's it. Do it. <laughs> do what the man says. <laughs> no, I, no, sir. Well, I mean, let's. I mean, let's be real here. That's you, you win that game, right? Yeah. It's you're three, one and one in the league. So you get the uh, you get the three points. So you're at ten. And you hang them at eight. You know, it, at that point, you know, it obviously depends on what UConn does the rest of the way, because UConn can still win out and win the whole thing. But you know, at, at that point, you know, you've got a shot. You've got a you've got a real shot. If no, UConn I agree. Right, right. Up, That's the know? thing. I agree. When you have a a conference where you don't have as many teams in the league, uh, these matches, these swing matches, are magnified. You're right. This is a must if you want to win the regular season title. And, you know, hey, remember, team that wins the regular season title gets to host the conference tournament. So right. That's just, that's huge. By the way, you know what's total crap? And, yeah, I went there. Um, UConn has played eight home games and three away games. Like, what is that? <laughs> no, seriously. Well, it's the opposite. Well, no, no, here's uh, – I know the answer to this, actually. Because okay. I've, I've talked to – Enlighten I'm me. Friends, I'm friends with the media relations people at UConn because I've been to stores, Connecticut. Uh just like Murph has. And Murph, isn't it a wonderful place or what? Huh? Uh, I loved it. Now, see, Murph, 
got to go in August when the weather yeah. is very nice, 80 degrees. Whereas I got to go in April when I got to see uh, a couple of years ago when I got to see snow for the first time and a snow out in UCF softball history. Splendid. So here's the, here's the thing. So we've talked about in this, and, and Murph knows this, with Connecticut, in baseball and softball, they have to play on the road early in the year. They play a lot of road matches or neutral matches early because they can't play at home because of the weather the way it is in Connecticut in the winter. Yeah. Well, in the fall sports, it's the complete opposite. They have to play their home matches early before getting into no, October, November uh, you know, range there and get there. So that's what it is, is they front load a lot of their home matches to get them in early when the weather is good because once it gets to October and then November, possibly, uh, the weather is not so kind. Well, I still think it's crap. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Murph, don't you mean? Didn't that make a lot of sense, Murph? I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, it, I agree. It makes total sense. <laughs> Go ahead, Murph. I'm sorry. It makes sense. I just hate it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I will say bah, this, on, I didn't get this from you. I didn't get this from UConn, but let's be honest. Uh, I've having been up there, they're you know they're not gonna spend a ton of money to travel soccer at the expense of oh I don't know somebody like a women's basketball program or other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like as though that program is hurting for money. That's all. Uh, you said it, not me. Yeah, whatever. That's all I'm saying. Oh, God, Wait, <clears throat> Jeff. Jeff is a curmudgeonly. With I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm in a foul mood tonight. Oh, which is good. That's cool. That's good. Yeah, I should be in a better mood. But anyway. Um, yeah. All right, so so again, Saturday, 7 o'clock, UCF-USF uh, at the UCF Soccer Complex. Be there, be square. Uh, the conference, hosting the conference championship tournament may be on the line in that match, so uh, who knows. Uh, let's take a look at their compatriots on the uh, women's soccer side. UCF right now, 8-4-1, and one, got a critical, critical weekend result. Um Went up to Memphis Thursday, um, October 11th. Got a two nothing win. Um, this was uh, that was huge because UCF was in 88 was an 88th spot in the RPI. Memphis was in the teens. I forget exactly. Where, I think they were 14, um, 14 or 15, somewhere in that range. To go up to Memphis in their place, get a two nothing win. Stephanie Sanders had a goal in that game. So did Carrie Lawrence. Um, that vault that by just by virtue of that UCF vaulted themselves basically twenty eight spots in the RPI, and they snuck into the um uh, into the United Soccer Coaches top twenty five. See, uh, see who 24. says that people Boom. are anti UCF in the polls, huh? <laughs> well, I mean they have some cachet, right? Because you see, okay, so now this is what you were talking about, Lopez, and I got to give you some credit here because wow. all of a sudden was <laughs> Murph is like, wow, he's really giving him credit. Um, all of a sudden, UCF is in the driver's seat. They're tied for first place in the conference at five and one with USF. USF's ten and two, five and one. UCF is eight and eight, four and one, and five and one. Fifteen points each. Um, not to mention the fact that UCF got that three-one win at Tulsa. I don't want to forget about that because you know, I mean, that's that's the Memphis Tulsa road trip. They got the win on Sunday, so they're back home this. This weekend for a pair, SMU and Houston. Um, these are very winnable games. Although Houston is fourth in the conference at three, two and one, seven, seven and two overall. SMU's three and three, eight, five and one, ten and nine points respectively in the standings. But you got them at home. 
And you can set up, once again, UCF and USF on the last day of the season for the American Athletic Conference regular season championship and a chance to host the conference tournament. They they bumped up, UCF did, uh, in the RPI um, all the way up to 60. And um, and you have the details on this too, but our, our, our guy Chris Henderson, right? Mm-hmm. Mentioned that they may have played themselves into having a shot at an at-large bid at this yeah. point, um, which is what they wanted to do. They're still, they're still on that bubble at 60, but there's a chance. There's at least a fighting well, here's chance. The thing. Here's the thing. They, if they win out, they win the regular season title uh, and would host a tournament and be in position to get in one way or the other. And, you know, we've talked a lot on this show and we've talked earlier about the polls and this and people complaining about it. And I maintain this is the thing. Everybody complains about football and how it's biased and this every sport. And I said this on social media as the Olympic sports is even worse on this. <laughs> we'll get to uh, more on that in a second. Go ahead. <laughs> they will give the benefit of the doubt to certain programs. And this is a compliment to the women's soccer program. Because of what they have accomplished over the years under Coach Sahedek and under Coach Cromwell, et cetera, they will get the benefit of the doubt. And you saw that this week with the polls. Right. UCF jumping in the polls after beating Memphis, even though the RPI is 60. It's the complete opposite of volleyball, which is what's hilarious. Um, but I maintained, and I think I said this in the last episode, I think when it comes to the UCF campus, I think baseball and soccer, women's soccer will get benefit of the doubt, whereas other sports doesn't. And I think they've gotten there. Now, that being said, that win against Memphis was – and don't forget the Cincinnati overtime one before that at home. Yeah. That was, I think, because if they lose that match to Cincinnati, I think they're toast. And after that overtime loss to East Carolina. But they won against Cincinnati. And they were down in that Cincinnati match, I believe, if I recall. And they pulled it out and they won in overtime. And then they come back and beat Memphis. That was huge. Now, to your point, you cannot overlook the fact that one of the things they put themselves in this position is they maybe have had a result they shouldn't have had against teams that uh, are lesser than them. So yeah. they cannot the ECU afford that game, by the way, it's, it just sticks. The ECU yeah. game and then the George Mason game is just like, oh, man, jeez. Yeah. Well, and I'll give you credit. You mentioned this at the beginning, that Florida Gulf Coast cancellation hurts. That, that also hurts. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got against a lot of obstacles here, but they have put themselves in a position here. If they're focused and they can take care of they got to take care of the home business this weekend first. And they have a chance to set up a showdown with South Florida in Tampa for the conference championship, which will be on the American Digital Network, and that'll be a, tent, a big-time match. And I'll say this, if you're UCF, you want at least, worst-case scenario, you actually, as weird as this sounds, you want it to be in a situation where you and South Florida are the top two seeds. And you know what? If South Florida wins the regular season title and you have to go to Tampa, that's just a bus trip. What you don't yeah. want to do is get take it on a flight and play early in a conference tournament somewhere else. So that's like Memphis or Houston or something like that. Right. Right. But right. But if they can win out, I think they got a shot to be right back in the bubble. But of course you win the conference tournament, then, you know, you take it out of the committee's hands. Yeah. So they, that, but again, the Memphis win huge, maybe, you know, and that's a long time rivalry, a real rivalry, not the football nonsense that people (laughs) are trying to throw out there and that nonsense. But, um, it's a big win. I mean, they saved their season and they've given themselves a chance, maybe a second life in the season, if you will. And, uh, and, and so everything's still in front of them. We'll see how they react this yeah. weekend. So Thursday, uh, the 18th at 7 PM at home for SMU Sunday, the 21st at one against, uh, Houston. 
uh, and then and Houston is actually Senior Day on Sunday, so um, that's uh, so again big day for UCF coming up, uh, and that's before that uh, match at USF Friday, October twenty sixth at uh, seven p.m. All right, uh, now now I'm, all right, I'm I'm primed and ready to go for this one. All right, let's talk a little volleyball. This team is on a hot streak like we may have not seen in a long time, certainly since at least 2014. I don't remember when the last time was UCF had a winning streak this long, but they have won 13 consecutive matches. Uh, Over the past weekend, lots of history happening. Uh, Friday uh, against Temple, UCF won in four. um, And Todd Dagenet, for him, that was career win number 200. Um, he is, of course, second all-time at UCF um, behind Lucy McDaniel. Um, but uh, a big accomplishment. You know, I mean, Lucy, you know, God rest her, Lucy. 55 of her wins came in one season. It's uh, You don't play as many matches nowadays as you did back in the AIAW days. So um, tribute to Todd, you know, get to get win number 200 against Temple. And then... Uh, in the very next match on Sunday, uh, a, a, another four-set victory for UCF, uh, Jordan Pingle became UCF's all-time leader in digs, um, where she recorded her 2,000th dig. The pre- believe it or not, the school record previously was held by Meredith Murphy at one at exactly 1,999. So... When Jordan picked up her 2,000th dig, she became the only simultaneously became the only member of the 2,000 dig club at UCF, and the all-time leader. So, um, and UCF got the victory for their 13th win in a row. This team right now is 16 and three, seven and zero in the American, 10 and zero at home, uh, and they are but they are going on the road, and this is where it's it, this is where you can start to sense that it's uh, the, the, the schedule kind of tightening up, right? So right now, UCF and Cincinnati are tied atop the American at 7-0. and UCF 16-3, and Cincy 16-4. and um, They have Jordan Thompson, um, an, an Olympic team candidate. And after UCF plays ECU, Friday, October 19th at 7, okay, then they go to Cincinnati, Sunday, October twenty first, one p.m. No television. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wow. Well, that's a shame. First of all, it's Cincinnati. Cause that, uh, would you say that's the two teams right now at the top? I mean, I know Cincinnati played Wichita State recently. I don't remember the result. I know it was on the digital network. But obviously, well, Wichita Thompson. right now is four and three in the league, nine and nine yeah. overall. Um, now, now, believe it or not, ECU is tied with them. ECU's twelve and six. They are no slouch, although they've lost uh, two in a row at this. It's a pretty point. nice double header there. So you got volleyball Friday, football Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So Murph making a double dip, Murph. Uh, let's see. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't you want get, to chorus. You're not, get, you're not getting there Friday. Friday night at seven to catch a little UCF volleyball. Is it is, is it this Friday night, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Oh. They're both they're both at ECU. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I just can't. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, well, I would say if, there. if you're, if you are bored, Brian Murphy in, uh, in Greenville, <laughs> the arena, what? The, number one, the arena is beautiful. 
And number two, you might be seeing one of the, certainly one of the um, best, one of the one of the best performing teams on UCF, certainly. Team Murph that's got got a whole entire five boats on the pole this week. Five. (laughs) All right. Okay. So okay. How about that for a segue? All right. Here we go. This is here we go. This is this just sticks in my craw. We we talked about it. We talked about it last week. And now I'm I, I'm not I'm not angry I'm disappointed because here's UCF they moved up a spot in the RPI they're now 13th okay at 16 and three you know mind you they beat they beat Southern Cal who's number four all right um 13th this drives me absolutely nuts 13th in the RPI. And yet you look at the AVCA coaches poll this week. 18-0 BYU is number one. 20-0 Pittsburgh is number six. Um, let's see. Let's move down the row. I'm, I'm going down the AVCA. Let's see. We got 10-5 UCLA is up there. They're burning the barn down on that one. Uh, yeah, let's see. Baylor. Baylor. We got Baylor at number 24 at 12-6. Oh, Louisville's up here. 15-4. ACC. Marquette is at 18. Where's UCF in this? Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, receiving votes. Okay. Cincinnati's receiving 39 votes. That's two That's uh, two spots out of the top 25. Where is it? Wow. UCF is receiving five, count them, five votes in the AVCA Coaches poll. This is a team that's won 13 matches in a row, including one against the number four team in the country. Uh, well, not including one against the number four team, but they but they did win a match against the number 14 team in the country. Push Florida really to the brink. They didn't go five of them, but but I watched that entire match. UCF should have won that match, okay? And they didn't through no fault of their own. But anyway. All the heaven and hawn aside, they're only getting five votes in the ABCA coaches poll. What does this team have to do, you know, in order to at least get? Again, I'm not saying they should be ranked number four. I'm saying they should be ranked. They should at least be. If they're not ranked in like that 21 to 25 range, they should be right on the cusp of it. They should be right where Cincinnati is, and they're not. And I it. It drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah, it should. Um, that's why I laugh when people are all upset about football and well, they're how they're being treated on the polls. Please, I think volleyball is, who has, in my opinion, and this is if you want to go, I, I think has a better resume than the football team has produced to this point because you mentioned it. Volleyball actually beat a top team in the what is it? USC's fourth in the country right now. Fourth in the country in the coaches poll. Oh, excuse me. I, I, excuse me. I, wait. I, let me correct myself. They are. 14th in the coaches poll, Southern Cal, but fourth in the RPI. Top, I mean, top 15 team, basically, yeah. uh, and a powerhouse program. He scheduled a tough schedule. They have a very good, not a tough schedule there. Um, he's done everything you asked, and yet you only get five votes. And to me, that's an outrage. Now, the good news, as he has brought up uh, on post games and on social media, the good news for them is they control their own fate. So it doesn't matter right. if they win the league, if they get the automatic bid, they're going to be in the NCAA tournament regardless. The thing that's concerning to me is you've mentioned that RPI. 
that's kind of on the board. I mean, help me out. You're the volleyball guy. Isn't that on the borderline where they could host in the NCAA or is the NCAA's predetermined sites for volleyball? Um, that I don't know. I, they, they do. They, I believe they, do I believe have, they could um, host early, couldn't they? They can. They can host. They they certainly can host. It's um, yeah. You know, I think it's a four see... team re- first two rounds. First two rounds. Obviously, I know that the right. round of sixteen on is predetermined. I believe, but uh, maybe at least recently. But I, I'm pretty. I feel like if you're in the top ten, top sixteen, you could possibly be in the mix to host. Uh, an opening round or of uh, the NCAA tournament or second round where they have a, because remember when UCF made it in 2014, they were sent to Gainesville mm-hmm. to play Florida. And then they, uh, they opened with Miami. It was a 14 field. They played Miami in a two versus three in that Gainesville regional Miami won, uh, I think in five sets, if I recall, my concern, Jeff, is that uh, this team could, let's say this team dominated the league win the league with maybe one loss and their RPI is low in the 10 or 12, and they might get the treatment that softball has gotten many times over, and they might get sent to Gainesville. Here's the uh, – this part scares me as well because Florida is 17-3. and three, Yeah. And they're 15th in the RPI. Yeah. UCF's 13th. Um, right. I mean, there are other, you know, logistical challenges to it. Like, for example, um, does, uh, you know, if you're going to host for UCF, what do you bid? Do you bid the big arena? Do you bid the do you bid the venue? I'm guessing they would bid the venue if they did. I have zero information on that whatsoever. But, um, see, okay, so this is where, but this is the part of the schedule where things are going to start to get really critical for UCF because you know as well as I do how the RPI rates road wins, right? And you're playing... All right, Cincinnati, whose RPI is – hang on, I'm going to pull it up for you. Cincinnati, uh, their RPI is 36. Got them on the road, okay? Um, you've also got – where was I? I had it just a second ago. There it is. Uh, ECU. Now, ECU, their RPI, not all that great. I'm still scrolling past it here. Uh, well, here's the thing. 181st. So, so you're hitting the part of the schedule where, you know, remember you play everybody twice. You're hitting the part of the schedule where you're going to start hitting some teams that are going to hurt your RPI. That's, I think, one of, one, of the, one of the problems. Because even if you even if you, you sweep them, you know, at home, it's still going to hurt because they just show up on your schedule. Like Temple and UConn, this year, like Temple's RPI is terrible. They're 174. Well, they've um, been a disappointment. They've been usually very good. Yeah. Obviously, they they're down this year. Yeah, UConn, uh, UConn, eleven and nine is one thirty nine. So, you and even so, like UCF did bump up, but you know, as as you get more data into the formula, it's going to hurt their it's going to hurt their ranking overall. So they could possibly have a better record than you than Florida, and then get shuffled off to Gainesville anyway if they if they hold on and win the conference. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that, especially Florida coming off a year where they played for the national championship and the job that Mary Wise has done there as a program. Uh, no question they will get the benefit of the doubt. Take, take it from somebody that's seen it up close in person in softball where UCF and you saw it were a top 15 team the whole year. and They got shipped out to Florida State. All right. I've seen it. So unfortunately, I think that's what's going to be the end result. But man, I mean, they—it's just pretty hilarious. Only getting five votes, you make sure. But it doesn't surprise me because I think in the Olympic sports, I've said this. I think people even do less homework. Why? 
because it's not like football. Football is actually easy access to watch games and watch other teams if you choose to do that. That's not the case in the Olympic sports. So a lot of times you don't get a chance to see these teams. So a lot of times you're just voting based on reputation, even more so. Yeah, that's the part that just, oh, it's well, I mean, Todd's pretty philosophical about it. Todd Dagenet, the head coach, he's he's like, look, all we just got to do is just keep our head down, win one game at a time. And so far, you know, this is I think one of the times when you know having a team full of <laughs> full of freshmen and relying on you know um, on McKenna Melville and you know really young players, you know, freshmen and sophomores actually comes into an advantage because the, you just don't know any better, <laughs> you know, and. and and it's a tremendous credit to those players uh, who, to this point, have really been uh, spectacular. UCF leads the American instantly in kills per set. Um, offensively, they are just wrecking everything in sight. They're second in hitting percentage in the conference. First in assists, first in kills, second in blocks. Uh, the offensive numbers are just are, are just staggering. Their service game, you know, it hasn't been all that great. They're actually last in the conference in in aces total um but defensively they've been great uh fifth in the conference in team digs um now we know how good jordan thompson is uh for cincinnati she's yeah. leading the league in hitting percentage at an astounding 335 i mean i, I don't know how that's you know that that's like a, by the way yeah I, go ahead. No, he, she's, she's right i want to give it because we you know people have been talking about we've, we've spent a ton of time on the football schedule and the week schedule on this you want to know where todd's UCF's schedule strength is ranked right now in volleyball. You're not going to believe this. This is amazing. This is why one of the reasons why they're ranked so high. And that's why give him credit. What he did this year, Jeff, was the right thing. Yeah. And it's going to pay off. You you want to know where it's ranked right now? Uh, can, can I give you a range? Sure. I'm going to say somewhere between somewhere between five and ten. You're pretty good at this. That's why you're the volleyball guru. Murph, you got to come up with a nickname for Jeff as far as the volleyball thing. We got to come up with I'm a nickname. Not volleyball Woj. You're softball Woj. But anyway. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, definitely. Ranked 10th yeah. in the country. It's tenth? the 10th best, toughest schedule in the country. 10. Yeah. 10. Yeah. I mean, Hello. That's... Now, is that, is, that in, <laughs> is that in total right now, taking in all their opponents or just the opponents that up they Up until play? this point. Up until this point. Oh, okay. Up until this point. Now, obviously, that's probably going to go down, as you've brought up, mm-hmm. uh, due to some of the teams that they're going to be playing coming up on the schedule. That will yeah. hurt them a little bit. But, no, they're t- they're 10th. That's incredible. Uh, and it's non-conference schedule, by the way, ranks sixth in the country. That's probably not going to change that much because, yeah. as you know, a lot of the non-conference is already done. I mean, he did a phenomenal job scheduling. Phenomenal job. That's yeah. that's the blueprint. That's what you got to do when you're the UCFs of the world. That's what you have to do. It does matter. People take notice, except in volleyball polls for some reason. They don't pay <laughs> attention to that stuff. Um at all, because here's the thing. You've mentioned the USC win a lot, and you mentioned the Florida match, but you didn't mention the fact the win against Wichita State. Wichita State, that's a top 30 RPI win. Yeah. Tulsa, that win is a top 45 RPI win. Uh, even though they lost to Louisville on the neutral court, that's a 32nd ranked RPI. Uh, here's the thing that goes under the radar. Miami, even though they lost at Miami, Miami's a 52 RPI. Uh, Florida Atlantic, that neutral court match, 91. Yale, 92. You're playing teams under 100. That's impressive. Yeah. That's what he's doing. That's what you've got to do. And, that, that and was that's the, what makes this. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's, no, I mean, that's what you got to do. I mean, so, uh, credit to him and his staff for building this schedule um, 
And that's why they have, they've put themselves in a position to be in the NCAA tournament. They're obviously thinking bigger to win the conference. And look, obviously, let's be honest, I think he put this schedule in w- as well. Wouldn't you say this, Jeff? Because I think he trusted that his team can handle this schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, they, either, it's either we're going to get it done or we're going to get killed trying, right? I mean, but he said, but he told me, you know, I, I think back to the start of the uh, the year uh, when I interviewed him, he said, he said, hey, look, I, I, I'm sick and tired of being just barely on the outside looking in because of the schedule. So I, he said, I, he said, I just scheduled a whole bunch of teams that I knew would at least compete for their conference uh, well, at some and, point. And lo and behold, and you know, is, he rolled he the dice have, and he nailed it. And he's nailed it. And so here's far. the thing. The three losses, RPI, the team's RPI, 15, 32, 52, no bad losses. That's the right. thing. He's keeping it clean. No bad losses. He's got to keep that going. And obviously the Cincinnati match is huge. Uh, for a lot of reasons, it's a road match, and obviously for conference purposes, mm-hmm. but it's tremendous. But it, but again, it shows again credit to him. That's how you schedule, and then number, it also shows how what a bunch of clueless clowns are, that <laughs> pole ball. It's good boy. By, by the way, one last thing I want to talk about it, with, with uh, Cincinnati, or I just wanted to point out before we before we wrap up, uh, we know about how good Jordan Thompson is. She has on the season five hundred and two kills already in eighty sets played. Uh, that's best in the American. Second best in the American Athletic Conference, McKenna Melville of UCF, true freshman. Um, she, uh, but McKenna is three hundred and eight. Or excuse me, no, that's two hundred and eight kills behind Jordan Thompson. That's the difference between first and second. So, for the for heaven's sake, somebody get a block on Jordan Thompson, please. Easier said than done. Yeah, I know it's going to be. It's going to be quite the challenge for Narissa Moravic and uh, and and Brianna Garcia and everybody that's on that front line, um, but you know we'll see. I don't know. Maybe I wonder what uh, I wonder what Todd and uh, and uh, Brian Doyne and uh, Jenny Maurer have cooked up to uh, to try and throw Jordan off. So that'll be a fun match. Is uh, it, it is that game going to be on television? Let me look real quick. Man, it should be. No, it's not. That is a bummer, man. I really wish that game was on TV because that would have been that would be something to watch. I would love to see. Hopefully, maybe it's Cincinnati. It's probably on the Cincinnati up. deal, isn't it? It's probably yeah, Cincinnati's probably. Yeah, there's no link on the UCF schedule. Um, usually, they put that up there, but they don't have any road road matches linked. So sometimes I have to check on Cincinnati. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> UCF Knights uh, TV is where you want to go for the home matches. Knights are back home Friday, October 26th. Uh, and 28th against Houston and SMU. All right. Uh, let's wrap up this thing, boys. Uh, coming up, what do we have? Uh, and uh, actually, Murph, I'll bring you back in here. Uh, we'll start with you. What do you um, now that we're on this beautiful brand new platform on SB Nation, um, what kind of uh, mad scientist stuff are you cooking up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to think of ideas as I as I've mentioned earlier uh in this podcast. I have a long stretch of road ahead of me uh to Greenville, North Carolina. That's right. You're ri- you're riding up to Greenville. I, I am. Yes. Uh, yes, I yes, I am. Uh so I'm st- I'm uh you know, going to make a trip of it and uh see what happens. I might not come back uh might not come back right away either, because you know, with the bye week, with the bye week on my, with the bye week coming up, there's really no reason to be back uh, right away. So maybe I, maybe I go to Atlanta. Why not go to Atlanta on like I don't know a Monday and and see what's happening there? 
where oh, Giants like, Falcons there watching Bill uh, Beckham. Like, yeah. It might be a football game. I mean, you know, and maybe. Okay. Wow. Okay. Definitely recommend the uh, the mezzanine uh, for that because that's where Connor and I actually caught the uh, peach ball uh, over by well, the uh, well, over well, by the glass <laughs> end of the stadium. I'll tell you this, Jeff. If the mezzanine doesn't have wheelchair seating, then I'm I'm SOL. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. I'm reasonably so, sure you can find a rather a, 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 a good vantage yes. point at some at some place for the game. So no, uh, it's yeah. yeah. So fun, I might man. I might end up putting about two thousand miles on my car over the next five days. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, that's going to be good stuff. What we got? Um, but I know you'll be there for the uh, for the um, uh, game thread on uh, Saturday night for football. Yes. And uh, po- po- live, po- po- live po- from the beautiful, picturesque Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. You know, you know, Ron Dowdy uh, invited me to fly on his private jet up to this game. And uh, stop and, pulling my leg. I'm not. I'm not. Ron- <laughs> How do you know Ron Dowdy? Ron. Well, do we really need to go into this? Ron Dowdy's a member wow. of an organization. Ron Dowdy. You brought it up. <laughs> Ron Dowdy is a member of an organization that I'm also a member of. Ah. So I, I saw him recently. Um, by the way, a fun fact, Ron Dowdy, because he was bored, is currently building uh, a pet project. He's building a 26,000-square-foot house in the country roads of Virginia. Uh, so there's that. But uh, Well, maybe uh, well, maybe you could stay there. I mean, you know, on, the, on the way over to Atlanta. Why not? I mean, it's, I'm it's sure. Not, it's, uh, yeah, he's got room to spare. It's got room. The twenty six thousand square foot house. Uh, but anyway, no. I mean, he's like, yeah, we've got if we've got extra space. I don't mean to sound like Steve Spurrier there, but he kind of does sound like he's got that you know high pitched southern drawl. But he's like, yeah, if we got extra space. You can come on, join us on the plane. And I, I, I you know, he's very nice. He's very nice. But I, wow. I, I, I like the open road. I'm uh, what's that? What's the name of that beatnik writer? Oh God, beats me, man. I, that's I'm I'm at, that's out of my that's out of my league, bro. <laughs> anyway, well, Go ahead. enjoy, be safe on the road, and I and I will definitely we'll be checking in with you on Saturday as the game uh, approaches, uh, and basketball media days coming up too. Uh, Eric, what you got coming up? I don't know how to top that. That was one of the most fascinating name drops I've ever heard in the history of this program yeah, or any UCF program related out there. I now know who to call. That, that was, <laughs> like, I, I, was good, I, mean, I was good friends with former athletic director Terry Holland, who showed me the suite once at the Boneyard <laughs> one year when I was at the uh, Conference USA softball tournament. But I can't even – I mean, that doesn't come close to what I just heard. Um, so, <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> You know, can next time can you hook us up, Murph? Then to like, if you don't want to go, we'll go. You know, you know, you yeah. could have, you, know, you know, we could, Jeff or I could have gone on the trip. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Damn, yeah. Um, got some room. Why, all right. Yeah. Anyway, well, go ahead. I, I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give some props, by the way, because obviously here at Banneret, we cover not just UCF, obviously on college, but we saw we've alumni. And our uh, good friend, our our boy, uh, Jeremy Brennard, will be covering the Jaguars-Texans game on Sunday for us. So follow him, and he's going to be covering the Jags and Texans and working on possibly a one-on-one with Jordan Aiken. Nice. Who's obviously on the Texans. So uh, he'll be there in Jacksonville, Florida. 
And uh, because we can get Bortles anytime we want, like, right? Yeah, you know, right, yeah. We can get Bortles and Boyer any week, right? Sure. So he's right. going to try and get Jordan Aikens and uh, for the site, and uh, he'll be going there. Obviously, we had Traquan Smith earlier this year, yep. so. Uh, we cover the NFL angle, which, you know, look, that's a big game for the Jaguars and a big game for the Texans. Jaguars uh falling on hard times. So, but it'll be cool to see Jordan Aikens as part of that Texans team. So uh, hopefully it works out where Jeremy gets a chance to talk to him a little bit, even if it's brief. Murph, you've been at the Jaguar games. You know how that works. Sometimes uh, it's not, they don't have a lot of time for lengthy conversations, but uh, I don't know, unless Jordan breaks out uh, this Sunday, I don't know if there'll be, uh, if there'll be a lot of demand there, but you never know. Local media might be covering, but Jeremy will be out there. So I wanted to throw that out there as he'll be working okay. for us. That's even better. There's no. It's even better. There's no demand. That means he gets Jordan one on one. Exactly. Well, we just we just gotta you know keep it low key there, Jordan. Don't yeah. don't explode for like four touchdowns or something. I'll, yeah. Well, I'll say I'll I'll say this. This is no no. This is definitely not in the bag. One of the reasons why I might go to the game on on Monday with the Falcons and the Giants uh, is because I've already put in for a request to see if I can get a spot in the box and and under under the guise of I want to talk to Kamal Kamal Ishmael. Uh, yeah. So possibly that will happen. I have not heard back. But look, Kamal plays like four snaps on defensive game. He's mostly a special teamer. No one's going to want to talk to him. But that's great. That means you want to have that one-on-one and just sort of like, you know, have that space. Well, and that's what we do here. And then for those, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there's probably a lot of new listeners this show, obviously, with their connections with SB Nation. We just cover UCF from all different angles. It's not just what's going on with the UCF teams itself, but – we don't forget them once they leave and go pros, and we've covered a lot of different angles, and we'll continue to do that in various sports. I mean, Murph got to talk to Drew Butera and uh, and uh, Chad Matola, right? Yeah. At, at, at this point, I'm basically I'm basically Drew Butera's stalker. <laughs> I, I really I really am riding his coach. I really wish the the Rockies would have beaten the Brewers and advanced further in the playoffs. I would have gone out to L.A. and interviewed him again. Wow! Look at that. Just <laughs> at, at this point, at, at this point, you guys are just on a first name basis, which is, we are. It's you really know, he, yeah, he calls him Murph. <laughs> you know, call you up and say, hey, "Murph, what's going yeah, on, Murph. bud? What you I got?" Call you? DB. <laughs> DB. Yeah, I call, I call him DB. <laughs> That's funny. By the way, before we sign off, Murph, Jeff, can I give you an exclusive? Okay, I'll always take exclusive. it. Okay. All right. A little exclusive here, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, so if we, if we need drops. We need drops. That's where Jeff. Well, that's where Jeffrey can come in. He's called me the yeah. Elo. Uh, what do you call me? The Woj of softball. Softball Woj. Softball Woj. I'm gonna drop one right now. Okay. So Sydney Ball, UCF softball. Of course, they're playing. Oh, by the way, they're playing Florida Friday night. Ball mm-hmm. ball. <laughs> Go out there. Speaking of going out there, uh, pretty big weekend on campus. You think about it. The Gators are fall ball, but. Sydney Ball's first regular season game as Knights head coach. The Sydney Ball era will begin Thursday night, February 7th, when UCF will host Ole Miss. They're scheduled to host Ole Miss. That is courtesy of the Ole Miss, who announced their schedule on Wednesday. That hmm. was on their schedule. Ole Miss. So do not – no. So that way that way, I didn't want people, like, texting me. Oh, well, how can you leak that? No, I didn't. Hey, that was Ole Miss that leaked it. I didn't leak it. I'm just <laughs> telling you. I just – Somebody works <laughs> – Sources say. Fastpitchnews.com. I have to go through all these sites, and I noticed Ole Miss announced their schedule on Wednesday, and I'm like, hey, they're going to be in UCF. So I'll get to see my buddy Ruben Felix, former UCF assistant, who's the associate coach at Ole Miss, and they will open the season against UCF. That'll be Thursday, February 7th, 
So UCF will be hosting a tournament February 7th through the 10th. Among the other teams that Ole Miss is playing in that tournament is Ohio State, George Mason. So they will be in the mix there in Orlando as well. So there's a little Elo bomb. Uh, on <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you used the branding properly. All right. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, don't forget to follow us at uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com. Newly minted, full member of uh, the SB Nation community. We're so proud of that. And I want to thank, uh, before we go, I want to thank everybody at SB Nation who's just been so kind and accommodating um, Matt Brown, who's been uh, amazing to me, amazing to us. Uh, Caroline Darney, who's been an incredible help. Uh, all the folks at IT uh, and content development at SB Nation who've um, helped us make this transition, uh, provide us with a lot of materials for uh, making the right transition. At, as hard as we've worked to make this a good site to this point, um, you know, I think it's going to get even better now as uh, as the time progresses. So I'm already seeing like a, a massive jump in the number of people who are commenting on stuff and tweeting stuff out. And I want to thank all them for um, for their support. And thanks to you, the fans, for your support as well. Since we started this thing some five plus or excuse me, some three plus years ago, it's been a really quick ride to the top. And uh, I really want to thank uh, especially uh, you guys who are talking to me right now, Brian and Eric and Derek Warden, who, um, you guys are, you know, jumped on board early and thanks to all of our new guys who've come on board as well. Um, uh, Jeremy Brenner, um, Chaz Short, um, uh, Chris Carter, who's come on board, UCF Knights Nation, huge thanks for his support as well. Um, Zach Goodall, Zach Goodall, who's, who's got a new piece up on, uh, Titus Davis, which you just got to see where he breaks down Titus Davis in the film room. Um, he is the, he is the God of the GIF. Um, Zach Goodall, man, I'll tell you, he's really been something. And, um, yeah, it, Luke Saris, who's been, who's been on the podcast to, and kind of carried the torch for, uh, UCF on underdog dynasty for a while. Um, massive thanks to, um, to him as well. Uh, and, uh, and everyone who's, uh, who's coming on board and everyone at UCF who's supported us and most especially you, the fans, we do this for you guys. And, um, it's great to see this, um, this little project that we started, um, reach new heights and, you know, we're, we're only just getting started. So I wanted to thank you and the fans and thank you guys, uh, again, Eric and Brian for making this podcast amazing as it is, man, you guys have been great. And I want I can't thank you enough. Uh, Thank you, Jeffrey. I meant, and also uh, going back to a reverence from about three minutes ago, uh, the name Jack Kerouac is the one that slipped my mind. Thank you. He wrote, yes. on, the ro- he wrote on the road. That's what <laughs> See, I am. That's this is why. Wow. This is why we are the best at what we do. <laughs> yeah, I really go. think. I really think we should close this UCF <laughs> on that note with a Jack with a Jack Kerouac. Well, well I'll, 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 uh, by the way, Murph, since you name dropped earlier, I will. Can you say hello to my friend? Beth Mowens will be calling the game for ESPN uh, yeah. for the UCF for a softball voice yeah. of softball. Beth Mowens, she'll be calling the game with Anthony Beck and Rocky Boyman will be the crew for the UCF East Carolina game. Yeah, 7 o'clock wow. kick. And don't forget our um, our live game thread will start an hour before kickoff at 6 o'clock. We'll have some information all throughout the day on that as well. Blackandgoldbanneret.com is where you want to be. Follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow us each individually at Jeff underscore Sharon. Spokes underscore Murphy, Eric Lopez, Elo, and all of our entire career at Black and Gold Banneret. 
Facebook.com. Uh, follow our Twitter list as well, where you can get all of our handles as well and follow us all. Uh, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Bannerhead as well. And if you don't already subscribe to our podcast or you know someone who needs to, uh, we are, again, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. For Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Mm-hmm.